0: God's word for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened by power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know to love the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. I want to dismiss our school-age kids uh, to the back. I think Miss Robin's back there. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, man. That was incredible, guys. Uh we're gonna end our prayer series today, right? Luke, we're ending it today, right? Okay. This is this is this is our last shot. We're gonna be in First Peter next week, home away from home. Next week is the title of our series. Um today's series is a whole new world. And I had I had to do one, guys. I had to do one. I had to do one. I had to. Uh and so um, And we're going to look at uh, the Apostle Paul today in Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 3, the passage Claire just read, he prays for the church. And watching Paul pray, we have lots to learn. But then in Ephesians 6, in this great teaching on spiritual warfare, he talks about prayer in the midst of warfare. And from both those passages, we're going to glean a lot today. I've been praying for this sermon um, I believe God's going to move mightily in our gathering today. And so I'm excited to preach with you guys, be with you guys. I'm Jason, in case you know, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, My boys just went to the back with the kids. And Thursday night, uh, we had uh, at their school um, a talent show and my connor did some stand-up comedy he killed it i mean he killed it uh there were some judges that had some problems and didn't he didn't win but that's okay that's okay uh, he should have won and it's one of those uh family things that you go to um and it's great but it's also kind of terrible that makes sense uh if i'm just being honest for a moment um so we have our little Hattie. If you don't know, she's a little girl. She has Down syndrome. And um, sometimes she's in environments that are too much for her. And we never know when that might be. Sometimes big crowds like this, she loves it. And sometimes she melts down. Well, Thursday night was a meltdown night. And I'm, we're driving to the thing, and I'm hurried, I'm stressed. And Tracy's like, Jason, calm down. I probably said like 20 times Thursday night. And um, and we're there, and Hattie's having a tough time. And if I'm honest, my face looks good, and my insides are on fire. I'm frustrated. I just want to watch my kids, and I just want to go home. And um, if you didn't know, at the school, every kid has a talent, apparently. And so <laughs> it's a very talented school. And, um, and so we're there, and I am, like, on the inside. I'm just, I'm angry. I'm angry, and I get home, and uh, my my blessed Hayes has math homework at 9 p.m. on a Thursday night, and just you know, at that moment, uh, Jason would cease being a Christian, and um, uh, and I was just so, and, and my wife, God bless her, the whole time's like, it's fine, it's fine, and I, and I'm working on this sermon. <laughs> And I'm walking through this, and I go back to last Sunday night. Uh, me and the guys from my group, uh, we met for just some time together to pray together, encourage each other. And this same kind of thing came up. And we had these babies here uh, this this morning, and there's so many blessings that come with children. And we were all kind of just wrestling, if I'm honest, kind of complaining at this role that we have. And that God has blessed us immensely but if we're honest, many days we're doing the job, but we're not walking in love. Sometimes I think our hearts are not big enough for the lives that God has called us to. I was listening to a sermon this week, and they use the illustration. You know the Grinch movie at Christmas, where his heart is what? Two times too small, right? And sometimes, if I'm honest, for the things God has called me to. I feel like my heart is sometimes maybe too small. Listen, the church and I feel like if we're honest, sometimes we feel that way that our hearts are a little too small. We're called to do Listen, the church is not a place of duty. The church should be a place of abundant love. And too many times in my life and if we're honest here today, we're doing the right things. We're doing the good things but there's a sense of duty. There's like this Grinch-like smell to the aroma of who we are. We are always hurried. We're on the verge of burnout over and over and over again. And not to pile on us, but Jesus measures spiritual maturity not by what you've done or how much you know, but how much you love. In Matthew 22, he says the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor. Paul in Corinthians says you can do all these miraculous things, but if you do not have love, you're a clanging symbol. Church, we are measured by how we love. And we cannot love if we are stumbling through life anxious, tired, and angry. And I don't do this to pile on because I'm on the pile with you. But I do want to clarify this. I think we have to understand. Here's the, the news flash. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 6. We are in a battle. It's not a flesh and blood battle primarily. Primarily it is a spiritual battle. And we're being attacked from both sides today. Not politically, but we're attacked from religion and from the world. Here's what I mean. There is this side of religion that... We're okay with not loving if we just do this. If we just kind of do the things we're supposed to do, this kind of, we feel like we have this duty to do this. We have this spirit of earning. We serve, we go to group, we give, we help, we earn. And it's really just this funk of religion. It's the funk of religion that is not growing our capacity to love. And we're like, I'm doing, Jason, I'm doing this. I go to group. Listen, I confess my sins. I give a big chunk of what I make. I serve people I don't even like. I set these chairs, I do all this stuff. But there's this funk of religion, there's a lack of love but the other side of that is that we'll go from this religion and it burns us out. It leaves this bad taste in our mouth and we go all the other way to the side of the world. Like, oh, I just need, if I can just get a good massage, if I can get a a glass of wine, if I can binge Netflix all day long and be away from people, my soul be restored. And then we do that, don't we? And what happens? We come home and the kids are still there. We go to work and Sheila's still there, right? We all have a Sheila in our workplace, don't we? Um, there's no Sheila's in our state. Oh, no, we're good. No Sheila's. Um, th- those things are always there. And so if there's this funk of religion, the world promised these rhythms of hopelessness, friends. And it's so attractive. It's so easy to sleep in, to, to sit in the rhythms of hopelessness. But here is the good news today. And we sang these truths. Amen. God, what great singing today. Amen. Thank you from the band. But God has more for his church. He has more for us. We're looking at Paul today and how he prays for us and how he teaches us about prayer. Claire read from Ephesians 3 in this picture of his love. Verse 17 of that chapter says this that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Hear this, church. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, that you may have the strength. I want you to hear what he's saying. God's love is so unbelievable that we need more strength to comprehend it. It's like you have like a storage unit. You know, you're a storage unit and like you go, like, "Oh man, I've got too much stuff for this. you go get a new storage unit. There's not a storage unit alive that's big enough to comprehend the love of God. Let's keep going. What is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Church, there's more today as God expands our heart for us to be filled with. And so we're gonna see today this main point from Paul. Prayer grows us up, it anchors us in, and it sends us out. It grows us up. This kind of prayer can grow us up in a way that we are not ready for. It'll grow us up in a way where we are just singing and skipping and declaring freedom. There's this great song, we sing it sometimes. And at the end of the song, it says, we're free, we're free, come join and sing the song of the redeemed. That is the anthem of the church. And if we learn to pray in this way, we'll go up and we'll grow up. We'll be expanded up in such a way that it'll open the floodgates of love in our lives. So prayer grows us up. Ephesians 3 says this, we are grown up, we are grown up by being rooted in and filled up by his love. The way we grow up, the way we expand our capacity for love is to sink deeper into him. Here's what's, here's what I'm really excited about. So Ephesians is the end of Ephesians 3. In Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, Paul wrote maybe the greatest three chapters of theology on who God is and who the church is in light of who he is maybe in the history of the world. So hear this. It's the greatest things ever written, the greatest sermon ever written on who God is. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul shifts. You see here in verse 14. And this shift is the key to this passage. This shift, I believe, is the key for our time today. And in my prayers, it's the shift that I believe can transform our lives today, tomorrow, and forever if we learn to tune into it. In verse 14, he shifts from his intellect, from what he knows. I want to say in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees. He shifts from the greatest theology ever, which we desperately need, but he shifts to his knees. And Look at verse 19. It says here in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. As you study that, know what it really means is, and to experience, not just know in your head, but to experience the love of God. So Paul is going to his knees. He's praying for the church that they wouldn't just know the love of God. They would experience the love of God. And here this church, there's a big difference between knowing something and experiencing something. I'll never forget when Tracy was pregnant with baby Hayes. And you know, I was a planner and um, I read the books. um, I was ready to go. And I was so excited. I knew in my head what it meant to be a father. And then I held haste. I experienced this expanding of my love for this baby because there's a difference between knowing something and experiencing something. Growing up, I went to church and I was taught my entire life about this, that God forgives the sinner. Friends, I knew the prodigal son story from when I was five years old. I knew that God forgives, but it wasn't until I was 25 years old And I had blown it and let every person I know down that loved me. I let them down. And the stillness of driving my car and the father says, Jason, I love you. I forgive you because, church, there's a difference between knowing the love of God and experiencing the love of God. And the reason that we gather, church, yes, we're gonna learn more. As we dwell on what Christ did, it helps us experience. But friends, we're not just here to know more. We're here to experience, revel in, and enjoy the greatest love, the greatest gift the world's ever seen. There's a difference between knowing and experiencing and our only hope for our hearts to get bigger is not to know more, but to experience Him and His love more. That is the recipe, Church. If we don't want to be Grinch hearts, our only hope is to learn through prayer to experience this love. But here is where Paul's in Ephesians six gives this this great perspective because we're here right now, and I believe if you're a follower of Jesus, even if you're not what you're hearing you're probably drawn to because it's good news because it's truth but then something happens go to ephesians 6 paul warns us doesn't he verse 12 we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the armor. Therefore, be prepared for this. Friends, the reason that religion keeps bringing us back to the sense of duty is because we're under spiritual attack. The reason that the rhythms of the world seem so appealing is because we're under spiritual attack. Look at verse 18 and Paul's warning here. So as you study this passage, Paul walks through the armor and the helmet. The end, what he's saying here, the end of all spiritual warfare is prayer. That ultimately what we're doing to fight spiritual warfare is we're coming to God in prayer. And he says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Here's the key. Keep alert. Keep alert alert. If we want to grow in this kind of new kind of heart, to receive this kind of love, we have to be alerted that there is spiritual attack. There is spiritual warfare. Prayer is the battlefield. Sometimes we have to pray to fight to pray more. I met my friend Miss Julie last week and we were talking about prayer and how sometimes it's so hard to pray and I have to pray to get ready to pray because there's this real spiritual attack in the midst of this. Church, keep alert. I'm not sure that we fully comprehend the love of Christ. I know that, but also the links the enemy will go to to keep us from this kind of prayer. Everything around us and in us is keeping us from this kind of prayer. So I'm reading this book, and it's not a Christian book. It's a Christian author, but it's a book about parenting and children and psychology and attachments. And the thesis is this, is that the most essential thing that children need from their parents is not better rules or consequences or this or that. It's that parents, is that kids must see their parents as their primary attachment. That as attachment goes in the life of a parent and a child, many times so goes that child. And I believe that's a true principle for parenting. But friends, that is even more so and our attachment to the Father. This is what John 15 was all about. As God is teaching his followers that the ball game is this right here, is that we must stay attached to the Father. John 17 prays that we would join the union of the Trinity and that we would pray to the Father and stay attached to the Father. Hear this, church. Attached disciples are loved disciples. And loved disciples love really big. Attached disciples are loved disciples. There's a voice that you are crying out to hear. And if you put your faith in Christ, that voice has already been said. It says, beloved child, in you I am well pleased. But the world does everything it can to turn the volume down of that voice, but through prayer, church, we connect the most loving, most wise, most gracious, most powerful, most supernatural voice in the world, the voice of the Father. And through being attached to him, he literally expands your heart and capacity to love. Attached disciples are loved disciples, and loved disciples love others big, which leads us to what Paul's talking about, how prayer anchors us in. It leads us up. It grows us into him and makes us more loving, but then it anchors us into this new faith family, this new community of love. Ephesians 3 here, he's literally praying these kinds of prayers. He's praying these anchoring in kind of prayers for the church. He's praying they would be this community. John 17, Jesus prays that we would be one. These communal prayers, the foundation for Paul's prayer here and Paul's teaching here is for the church to pray for one another. Ephesians 6 says, keep alert, making supplication for all the saints. Stay awake. Pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. Pray for each other. See, these kind of prayers, these communal prayers for each other, it, it, it reminds us that we pray that we're rooted in something different. That the reason that we are connected is not these external things, it's the love of the Father. It's the love of the Father that binds us together. And it's hard to focus on our petty differences when we're praying to be rooted in a supernatural undeserved love. I I can't stay mad at you when I pray for you in that way. See, Paul seems to be saying this, There is this absolute necessity, an absolute power in us praying for one another. Quite frankly, I need you praying for me. You need me praying for you. We need each other praying for each other. It anchors us in. That's Paul's point in Ephesians 6. This battle, this, this real spiritual warfare is too much for us to do alone. Think about this. As we pray for one another, it's like this multiplying effect of the power of our prayers. Some of the most powerful experiences of my life in the church world have been praying in smaller groups with other believers just a few years ago we were at our house and there were a few of you that are here that were there you know, it might not be special to you but special to me and I remember Michael and Lindsay were there and I remember we prayed together for an hour or so and then about three minutes later, Lindsay came back over in tears saying, I've never experienced the, the tangible love of the Father like I have tonight because there's something that happens that's supernatural about us praying together. Here's a newsflash. As we gather even today, and about 15 minutes ago, we were singing all together, there's nothing better than him. And I heard you sing. You heard me sing. Those were prayers, friends. Those are prayers of praise. And as we hear each other sing, right, and we declare together, what is God doing? He's pouring his love down on us and expanding our capacity to love others through this communal expression of prayer. So there's a few ways we do this in community. First, uh, we pray for. Listen, as you pray for other believers in this room, it grows your love for them. You can't help it. If you pray for Sheila to to love God more, then you're going to love Sheila more. Even as annoying as Sheila is, as we pray for others, it grows our love for them. When we pray in smaller groups, it unifies us, doesn't it? It's just this beautiful aroma with those four men last week. As we as we were just sharing our struggles, that we declared the gospel, and then as we prayed, there was this new life brought in me from their love. And then as we as we pray in this large group setting together, as we declare these praises to God, God does something. So we pray together for boldness. We'll see in Acts 4, right? We're going to turn there, but in Acts 4, there's this great picture where uh, the apostles are arrested. They get out of prison. They come back to the church. The church is already praying without them. They're praying. They don't pray for protection. The church prays for boldness. And as they come together, this large group of Christians, and they pray, the building literally shakes with the community of saints in one accord, crying out, Lord, give us boldness. Which leads to our last point on prayer prayer sends us out. So prayer grows us up, prayer anchors us in, and prayer sends us out. Remember, attached disciples are loved disciples, and loved disciples love big. If you're wondering why you have no heart for the loss, it's because you're not experiencing love of Christ every single day. When we are caught up in the ways of religion or the ways of the world, our heart gets smaller and our capacity to love gets smaller. And instead of being brokenhearted for the world, we are frustrated with the world. Listen, I get it. The world's a dumpster fire many times. I understand that. But when Jesus experienced the dumpster fire of his world, his heart was broken because they were sheep without a shepherd. And friends, please hear this today. The lost around us, that are searching for all kinds of ways, for identity, for hope, for anything. They are sheep without a shepherd. And God has sent us to be the tangible good news of Jesus. And prayer sends us out. Prayer enlarges our heart for the world. And Paul asked for this in Ephesians 6, right? He says in verse 9, And also for me, (laughs) Yeah, pray for spiritual warfare, pray for the saints, but don't forget about me. He says that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I want to be very clear here. The apostle Paul is in prison, so I feel like boldness is not a problem for him. The Apostle Paul had just written some of the greatest words ever written on who God is. So I don't think that he needs more words to say, but yet he asks for the prayers of the church because he knows that he is human and he needs the prayers of the church to keep sending him out. And listen, as we pray for one another, the Holy Spirit, I hear this, if we ask, he will give boldness, church. If we ask, he will give us words to declare that give hope to a lost world. But church, we have to ask. We have to ask. We go to our Father and we pray for the sheep without a shepherd. And as we do that, the Spirit will give boldness and he will give words. The same thing that Jesus told the apostles, right? He said, "Like, what do we say? He says, the spirit will give you words when it's time. And then we see once again in Acts four, right? That the church, the religious are blown away because these lowly disciples are speaking with such power and wisdom. They say this phrase, they could tell they had been with Jesus. Friends, we have not because we ask not. It's that simple. If we want boldness, We want to declare the good news we must ask. And you see this clear kind of biblical path with missional prayer. Hear this. Missional prayers lead to missional hearts, which lead to missional hands, which open missional mouths. As we pray and receive the love of the Father, we are given a missional heart. And as we have this heart for those around us, it's going to make us love them. It's going to make us serve them. It's going to make us bear with them in patience as they grow. And it's going to open our mouths and give us boldness and give us words to declare the greatest hope in the history of the world. That nothing is better than Jesus. Church, what would happen? What would happen if we prayed these kinds of prayers? There's this great book from a guy named Tyler Stanton. It's called Praying Like a Monk. I'd encourage you to pick it up and read it. He tells this story in the book that kind of just blew me away. He was 13 years old, um, a seventh grader, about to go in eighth grade, right for that summer. Um, you know, the really mature age for a young boy. And he had his doubts about God. He was going to church. He had like a, a youth minister or a mentor that was talking to him one day and he was telling his doubts, and the mentor said this, what if I challenged you for your summer break, for every day this summer, you went to your school, walked around your campus, and you prayed for the loss to come to faith. You prayed for your classmates. Do it every day and see what God does. So Tyler thinking, oh, this guy's crazy. Sure, I'll do it. That's fine. I'll prove you wrong. And so Every day, he had a brother that was 16 years old. He loved to drive. He drove him every day to school. And he walked, walked every single day. And as he did that, God began to open his heart. He began to experience, he said, God in a way he never had. To enjoy God in a way he never had. And then school started. And he went to the principal and said, well, I've been praying all summer. I want to start some kind of group before or after school for us to talk about faith and pray. So the principal said, okay, you you find a teacher, a sponsor, you can do it. He found a sponsor and they decided to meet Wednesday mornings at 6.30, the best time in the world to reach middle schoolers. Wednesday morning at 6.30. It says here, a couple months into these meetings, so many students were coming that we had to move from a math classroom into the school's theater. By the end of that school year, Nearly one third of my eighth grade class had come to faith in Jesus. In the darkness of an early morning, with the atmosphere of a hospital lighting, through possibly heretical sermons of a 13 year old skeptic, God changed his school. What could God do, church? What could God do? And see, here's the beauty. I know he's already done this in some of our lives. Friends, I've heard the stories of you prayer walking in the neighborhood, that God would let you meet one neighbor, you meet the neighbor, and you start this faith relationship. Or are you starting the prayer thing at your work? You say, your lunchtime, you're praying in the lobby. And you say, "Whoever wants to come can come. You start these faith things, and God moves. Teenagers, God's given you your school. He has sent you to your school what if you started praying? It's going to be summer here in a few weeks, amen? And what if we use this summer to just beg God to save Benton, to save Airline, to save Cope, to save Kingston, to save Legacy, to save WT, to save these schools around us? What could God do, church? Prayer grows us up it anchors us in and it sends us out. Which leads to our application, our last point today. And, and maybe, really, I think the culminating point of this prayer series, here at this church, our life must revolve around prayer. It's very simple. It's not catchy. I tried making it catchy. I couldn't do it. So here it is. Our life must revolve around prayer. As Lucas said, it's, it's got to be the breathing of the Christian life. But I, I've got to tell you a secret about prayer, especially praying in this kind of experiential kind of way where we receive the love of the Father. Two things. It's going to be really hard. We have this myth that doing spiritual things should be easy, it's not. Go to Mark 1. It's not on the screen, but I'm here. Go to Mark 1. Uh, verse 35 in Mark 1. I think this gets to my point about how it's not easy. It's about Jesus here. It says here in verse 35, in rising not somewhat early, rising very early in the morning. While it was still dark, it's like that kind of early, right? Like the terrible early. He departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Then Simon, those, they couldn't find him. They were searching for him. How many times did Jesus go missing? I I think sometimes we read this, and because he was God, we think he just disappeared. No, no. He was a human man who just simply got up before everybody else to be attached to his father. Over and over. And do you think Jesus was tired? If you look at Mark 1, kind of the first day of his ministry, he is healing people. He is casting out demons. He is calling followers to him. He has to be physically exhausted. But here's the truth, friends. Praying is not easy. Praying is hard, but praying is worth it. When he goes to the garden, right? What, is, what happens? What do his friends do? They fall asleep because praying is hard. He's praying like sweating drops of tears. Paul is writing this letter about prayer from prison. This is difficult. But friends, we gotta fight. This is my my call, my exhortation to myself, to you, to not drift to the rhythms of the world or the stench of religion, but we fight. We fight for receiving and experiencing the love of the Father. It's a spiritual spiritual battle. Hear this, church. It is worth being tired. It is worth missing the latest, coolest show. It's worth making less money. It's worth having our kids do less things. It is worth it. Because the greatest love in the history of the world is accessible to us through Christ, through prayer, and we ignore it through trivial things, through temporal things that won't matter in 18 months. And I'm the chief of sinners. Experience his love. Grow in his love and pray his love for others. Church, we can do this. We can fight back against the darkness. The tool is right here. Paul is telling us he's praying for it. Jesus died for it. So come. Four ways for our life to revolve around prayer. I made this as simple as I could. First, pray when you get up. Pray when you get up. Pray when you get up. I could add something get up earlier. And I'm not trying to be mean, I'm talking to myself. Last Monday, um, I was so frustrated with God, tired of being, in a sense, a pastor, and in some ways, tired of being a Christian. And 5 a.m. came, and God got me up because I had to go to the bathroom. It's as simple as that, Church. I was I was going to sleep through that alarm, but God made me get up. <laughs> made me get up, and then I go and sit and open the Word, and I'm still like, man, I just I'm so tired. My soul is so tired. So, I pray. I say, God, I just I'm confused this morning. I'm overwhelmed. I'm a little frustrated. Just tell Him. I pray. What, I pray. What I got right? Just tell Him still nothing I'm like okay I've, I've got to, I've got scripture's not doing it just talking to God I, I've got to like listen to something so I put in the headphones and I just listen to songs of praise and songs of praise and then I I gotta get I gotta start moving around I start pacing I pace a lot if you didn't know that I start pacing and pacing and then the love of the Father breaks through on a Monday morning the love of the Father breaks through Guess what, friends? I was sleepy. I was tired the rest of the day. But guess what? My heart was expanded to love others. And friends, that has to be the rhythm we fight for every day. So first, pray when you get up. I think this is primarily time for you and God alone. Pray when you get up. Second, pray when you eat. We all eat. (laughs) I hope. We all eat. Pray when you you eat this might be the best time for you to pray with your family spouse kids and if you say we don't eat together i would encourage you to eat together we don't do it enough as a family pray when you eat you're together it's a time for you to stop and pray third pray when you go to bed give god your first give god your last pray when you go to bed If you're married, it's a great time to pray with your spouse during that time. Pray when you go to bed. Fourth, pray when you gather. Friends, we're here to be a house of prayer. We're not gathering to look at screens or to hear halfway decent teaching or to hear great music. We're here to commune with God, and we do that through prayer. As we sing songs, it's a prayer of praise to God. As we take communion, even not today, it's a prayer of gratitude towards God. And in a moment, I want to give us space to practice. That we are gathered to hear to pray. Friends, when we have small group, missional community, and we gather together, the whole point is for us to come together and commune with God. And the end of that is actually prayer. So pray when you get up, pray when you eat. Pray when you go to sleep and pray when you gather. And if you have the question, what do I pray? I want my kids, I don't want to look stupid. And I get that. i got two encouragements. First, pray what you got. Sometimes for you to look foolish, but honest in front of your children and your spouse, one of the best things you can do. For you to say, the best prayers my kids pray, so they say, God, I don't know what to say, but I love you pray what you got it's a bad day talk to God in front of your family just talk to God pray what you got second pray scripture you want know to pray go to Ephesians 3 just pray 14 through 19 just read that and pray that for yourself for your family for Sheila for your neighbor for us just pray it go to Matthew 6 pray the Lord's prayer to hear my you need go hear howdy Jane Ask her to pray the Lord's prayer to you today. Be blessed by that, because she you know the Lord's prayer. Because we pray it. Because you know what? Many times I don't know what to say. I have taught for forty five minutes, but many times at Tuesday night at six thirty p.m. I don't know what to say. So you say the Lord's prayer, and guess what? Those things begin to transfer something to our children. We had this beautiful dedication today. Here, here's what I can say: two things. The spiritual warfare bit. Never have I seen the world coming for our kids like they are right now. First thing, second, the time we have with them is temporary. It's temporary. We think, well, the rest of we have zero to seventy. But hear this, church. Once they leave your house, it all changes. We have zero to eighteen. To invest in our kids. This is not to put any shame on us. There are a thousand things I've missed already. But friends, we have today, don't we? We have today, and what do we have the power of? We have the power of prayer. And prayer changes things. So we're gonna pray. I want to read Ephesians three to you right now. If you will close your eyes. And I'm gonna pray for us, Ben. You come on stage. And I'm going to pray for us, and then after I pray, uh, the band's going to play not a song, but just a play for a time for you to respond. Maybe you want to pray somebody in the back with our prayer team. Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray. Maybe there's a friend, a loved one you want to grab, you want to pray with. This is a time for us to respond through prayer. This is a prayer gathering. And I want to pray Ephesians 3 over us. Father, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of the glory of God he may grant us covenant church to be strengthened with power through your spirit and our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that us, Covenant Church, would be rooted and grounded in love, that we might get the strength to comprehend with all the saints before and after what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and for us to experientially know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that we may be filled with that we may be filled, that the church would be filled with the fullness of God today. Father, give us the boldness, the capacity to come to you and to pray right now, Lord. Let the altar be open. Let our hearts be open. Let us be bold enough to come to you in prayer and do work today. We ask your name, amen.